0: I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. I'm excited to share with you another ghost story from one of our listeners today. It's actually three ghost stories in one, three separate uh, parts, so they're, they're very different but very fascinating as always. Uh, also just quick public service announcement, if you haven't had a chance to sign up for my newsletter yet, please head over to DrAmyRobbins.com. And you can sign up there. I've been really beefing up my newsletter to include little tidbits that you can take with you um, and implement in your life every day, as well as channeled wisdom from what I'm calling sort of this notion of soul wisdom. So uh, head on over, sign up for that. And here we go with this week's ghost stories. Today's ghost story is shared from one of my listeners, Molly. This story starts in 1985 and ends more than 13 years later. I was teaching high school English in a little town in Montana. Krista, a friend from the church I was attending, had asked me to lead a women's Bible study in my home, and I agreed. At the time, I had no idea that this decision would lead me to years of being troubled by a stalker. You see, Krista's husband is Muslim so she attended church alone, and many people didn't know she was married. One Sunday after church, a single man in the congregation asked her on a date. She declined, naturally, explaining that she was married. But because Krista had a soft heart and sensed he was lonely, she invited this man, I'll call him Daryl, to join our Bible study. When Krista called me to tell me he was coming, I expressed reservations. Daryl was kind of creepy. I'll never forget her response. Oh, he's okay, as long as he stays on his meds. The next weekend, a few women gathered in my living room. Daryl also joined us. When I sat at my piano to play a few hymns for us to sing, Daryl slid onto the bench beside me. It was very uncomfortable, but as a female in the 80s who'd grown up in a dysfunctional home, I wasn't accustomed to asserting any boundaries. Like Krista, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Unfortunately, my lack of boundaries led to years of misery. Coincidentally, Daryl's cousin Linda was a paraprofessional in my classroom. She'd run into Daryl not long after the piano bench incident and said he couldn't stop talking about me. He claimed he was in love and planned to marry me. Linda knew he had mental health problems and understood I was totally freaked out. Still, I never confronted him. The Bible study group disbanded after a year or so, and eventually Krista and her husband moved to the Seattle area. However, Daryl's advances did not stop. He would drive past my house trying to peer in the windows, sitting behind me at church, put romantic cards on my car, and send flowers to me at school. I would always return the bouquets and tell her I wanted nothing to do with him. But instead of working up the courage to be direct, I'd just ignore him. On Sundays, I'd stand in the back of the sanctuary with my young son and wait for everyone to be seated. Then I'd pick a seat as far as possible from Daryl. Clearly, my indirect methods had no effect on Daryl. Every month, the church would host a potluck Daryl would use these to accost me. With a grin on on his face, he'd say things like, coffee was the way to a man's heart, or ask me to play Here Comes the Bride on the piano. His intrusive behavior wasn't limited to church. Daryl lived just a block away, and my windows were visible from his house. Often, not long after our lights were off, the phone would ring. I could hear him on the other end, just breathing. Daryl even invaded my dreams. In one, he was standing outside my house tossing pebbles at my bedroom window. In the creepiest dream, he actually entered my room and sat down on the corner of the bed. The dream was so vivid, so real, I could hear the springs compressing and feeling the bed sinking under the weight of his body. When I awoke, my heart was racing in terror. Years later, when I learned about astral projection, I wondered if Daryl's astral body was actually with me in the room that night. By 1993, Montana enacted anti stalker laws, so I contacted the sheriff's office. They said they couldn't do anything unless I felt my life was in danger, so I suffered for another year or so. Finally, someone suggested I appeal to the city attorney who happened to be female. The day after I delivered my letter to her, the Sheriff's Department issued a restraining order against Daryl. Thank heavens for that woman. Unlike the male deputies, she understood that I didn't feel safe. At last, Daryl got the message. He rarely bothered me again. A few years later, I moved to Colorado. Even though Daryl had backed off, I knew that the anti-stalking order wouldn't be valid outside Montana. I had plenty of friends in that town, but I only gave my new address and phone number to one or two of them. Maintaining privacy in the small town was difficult, and I couldn't risk letting Daryl know how to find me. I'd been in Colorado just six months when Daryl once again invaded my sleep. I was back in Montana and went to a friend's house to say hello. I barely walked through the door when I heard a noise behind me the sound of the wooden screen door slamming shut. I spun around to see who'd come in, and right in front of me stood Daryl. This time I didn't ignore him or walk away. I found my voice and shouted the words I'd wanted to speak for more than 13 years. Go away, I told him. I don't like you. I don't want to be around you. I want nothing to do with you. Leave me alone. After so many years of bottling my feelings, expressing them was a relief if only in a dream. The way Daryl reacts surprised me. He was contrite and apologetic. In the dream, he said, I'm sorry, I will never bother you again. And he turned and walked out of the house. The very next day, I received a call from an old friend from Montana. Molly, she said, I've been wanting to call you with some news, but it's taken me two weeks to find someone who had your number. What's going on? I asked her. Daryl is dead. He died by suicide walking in front of a truck. I knew at that moment that I had been visited by a ghost. Fast forward to 2011. That winter, I started writing a novel about a teen girl who has a near-death experience. Thanks to Ian's videos and podcasts, I've been able to listen to hundreds of near-death accounts, many of which describe life reviews. During these reviews, souls experience the impact of their words and actions on others. I now believe that this is what I experienced with Daryl. While reviewing his life, he must have realized how much pain he caused and returned that night in spirit to apologize. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.